Good morning, good morning. Oh, man. Well, I, I, I'm not exaggerating here. I, I tend to do that from time to time. But uh, Camp Morley, best camp in America. I mean, amazing, fantastic. We got to sneak in and cheat a little bit and visit on Wednesday night. And I'm telling y'all, this is no hype. This is no exaggeration. Like, this is the real deal, and it's transforming lives for eternity. Like, uh, we did youth ministry here for seven years. We didn't have Camp Morley back then. I wish we did. But I can tell you, these guys, these leaders in the trenches, I mean, we can't bless them enough. I wish we had a million-dollar checks to put in their pockets this morning. But, you know, we can do this. And I want you guys to know this is very, very important. All of our youth leaders are 100% volunteers. I mean, can you believe that? Like, taking weeks off. So we're going to do the best we can to bless them real good, okay? So I want Scott Melissa to stand up, Corey and Christy, because the, the husband and wives are just as much a part of this, and Stacy and Nate, where are you guys at? You guys stand up. Give them a big cheer. Come on, somebody get loud. Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, baby. Come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, amen. <laughs> you guys, no, seriously, like, you're my heroes. Like, absolutely amazing. Uh, how many peop- other people in the room have done youth ministry at some point in your life? Raise your hand. Oh, my gosh, look at this. Turn around, Corey. Look at all these hands. Keep your hands up. That is incredible. So you guys know. You know, Mark and Holly back there, they're heading things up in Chapel Hill, you know. And um, so that's my next thing is we got, we had 10 students from Ch- River Life Chapel Hill there this week and two counselors. And um, besides that, we've got several families here this morning. So I want all my Chapel Hill, River Life Chapel Hill people stand up. Yeah, where are they? Oh, Deanna's here. Cool. The Forsters, Tracy Marillo. Awesome, awesome. So, yeah, all right, you can be seated. And, uh, man, God is doing some cool stuff among us there. And um, if you're new, I'm Matthew. My wife, Sarah, and I, we planted the church out of here. It's hard to believe that we actually loaded our two 26-foot U-Hauls three years ago next month. And some of you, I remember Scott in there playing Tetris with our stuff, like just fitting it in. And we had one 26-footer, and he looks at Corey, I think, and goes, tell Matthew to get another truck. This is never, we're never going to make it. And so we stepped out on faith, and your prayers and your partnership with us, I can speak for my wife and us. It's just I can't express our gratitude. It's been absolutely amazing. And so this October will be our third anniversary, and God has just been so faithful. And we're just going to keep plugging away. But uh, we, we moved into a brand new building that God built for us, literally, <laughs> in February. So this is the first Sunday morning that we're here and church is still going on there. Um, so that's a growth step. And uh, as soon as we moved to Sunday morning on, in February, it was amazing what happened. It went from a cool Sunday night meeting to church, just like that. And um, so... I try to write as many updates. If you're not getting them, let me know afterwards. I'll add you to my email list. But um, it's just really cool to see what God wants to do. And as we're here and it's like Youth Sunday, it just so inspires my heart for the present and the future of what God's doing in the earth among a generation and what He will do in the next coming 5, 10, 20, 30 years through this humble little church right here. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. And um, I kind of have big dreams. They get me in trouble from time to time. I know at least Jim can relate. But uh, it's the only way to live for me. I just can't stop my heart from dreaming. And uh, so anyway, it's so wonderful to be here. And uh, let's take a minute and pray for our pastors, Byron and Becky, and their whole clan They're on their annual beach vacation with the Wicker crew. So, Lord, we just ask you to get them good. Lord, we pray that you would just saturate their beach house with your glory. 
God, let them have as much fun as possible. I pray that every stress and worry would just fall off their shoulders, Lord, and that you would just be a sweet presence to them. We thank you. We love them so much. We thank you for them. We honor them today. Thank you for our pastors, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Amen. Amen. So, in honor of Byron, are you guys okay? Yeah. Sorry, Byron, if you're watching. Y'all, y'all okay? Okay, you're just looking at me. <laughs> oh, man, I've caught myself doing the same thing. I'm telling you, I've got to be honest, it's hard, you know. And I felt like Israel, when he got up and said, yeah, I'm not really good at talking in front of people, I thought, I'm not either. And i got to get up there next, Israel, and bring the message. That's a scary thing, no matter how much you do it, so... Hey, this morning, I feel this unction of the Holy Spirit to talk about the power of the anointing. How many people love the anointing? How many people have no idea what I'm talking about? You don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) Um, Let me use this illustration. I, I came across this passage recently that really I thought was hilarious but awesome at the same time. How many uh, runners do we have in the room? Like people who in the past have or currently or you want to be a runner? Like raise your hand. Yeah, I know Tony does these long trail runs. And, of course, where's Will at? He's like like the 50K'er or something like that. That's just insane. I don't know why anybody would want to go through that torture. Um, But uh, raise your hand if you've ever run a 5K. All right, all right, put your hands down. Now, where's the half marathoners? Wow, you guys are incredible. This is a, okay, in marathon, anybody ever? Wow, look at, we got like a handful of people that run marathons. Well, I got a trivia question for you. Don't pull out your phone and Google it. That would be unfair. Who holds the world record for the fastest marathon? Yeah, it's probably Marlon's cousin. He's from Kenya. <laughs> His name's Dennis Cometo, if I'm pronouncing that right. And in, on September the 28th of 2014, he ran 26.2 miles in two hours and two minutes. And 57 seconds, I think, to be exact. Is that incredible? Now, if you think that's incredible, there's one fine print thing here that should be in the, world's, the Guinness Book of World Records. And that is there's a man in history that ran it in less than half that time. You're like, what? How could that be? All right, well, look at 1 Kings chapter 18 with me. Oh, you guys already knew this. Wow, man, you're ruining my thunder here because I didn't, I had never seen this before. It's right after Elijah had the big showdown on Mount Carmel with the, you know, the, the prophets of Baal. And then, of course, it hadn't rained for a long time. And he goes out, and that's where we pick up. And he, Elijah said to Ahab in 1 Kings 18, 41, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of, of Carmel, went down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. The seventh time the servant reported, A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord. Now, I envision, maybe I've watched too many movies, but I envision like, you know, the the cloak of camel's hair or whatever. He just like rips it off of his chest (laughs) at this point. It came on Elijah tucking his cloak into his belt. So he's got the bottom part on. He ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to Jezreel. Now, Dean, do you know how far from Mount Carmel to Jezreel it is? Well, let me tell you, it's, I looked it up. It's 26 miles. And I also looked up the speed of ancient chariots, Corey. And an ancient chariot could go at full gallop between 35 and 40 miles an hour. 
Now, you're talking about um, who was that character on The Incredibles? You know, Flash? Or, I mean, you're talking about literally this man got on it. I mean, he wasn't just sprinting. He was flying. I think I figured it out. He ran like a, a one, one, less than a one-and-a-half-minute mile for 26 miles. And my math is not really good. I was a history major. But um, I think his marathon would have completed it in around 35 to 40 minutes. Now, let me ask you a question. This may be a silly example, and it sort of is. But what are the, uh, what are the possibilities of a supernatural anointing coming upon a human being. You know? How many people like, you know, like uh, X-Men or Marvel comics or something like that? It's like caught a generation by, you know, it's captivated a generation of people. Even going all the way back to my generation, growing up with the comic books and now all the movies that are so big. Why do you think that is? I think because there's something deep inside the human spirit that says, you know what? Just the limitations that we all know and observe and are all around us, there's something else. There's something more. There's something greater that we were meant for. And of course, Jesus, you know, he was on the Sea of Galilee in a certain passage, and then immediately he's on the other side. Translated in the spirit, and then it happened to the deacon Philip in Acts chapter 8. He wins the first African to Christ, and then immediately in a, in a millisecond, he was 230 miles away. That's not possible, right? But all things are possible with God. And what I've discovered is not only are all things possible, but when the anointing falls upon us humans, us men, women, and children, and teenagers, there's no age in the kingdom, amen? When the anointing falls upon us Not only is everything possible, but it's probable, and it becomes the real you. I learned that when the river began to flow in this church, people who hadn't been here in a while or just came in and kind of knew us but weren't really a part would come and visit our breakthrough meetings to get touched, get in the anointing. And they would say to people, like, I I just remember, I can only speak for myself, they'd, they'd come up to me like, wow, Matthew, what has happened to you? Like, something is different. And, you know, they were just trying to be nice and encourage me. And it was encouraging. But honestly, and I say this 100% confidence, nothing changed with me, but everything changed when God came upon me. God desires to come upon a whole mass of a generation in such a way that the world takes notice and goes, we didn't even know that such things were possible. In a few minutes, you adults sitting out there are going to be really excited because we're going to have an opportunity for these oiled-up young people in the anointing of Camp Morley to lay their hands on you and say, more Lord. Okay, you guys got that? Let's practice, all right? You ready? On three, more Lord. One, two, three. More Lord. There you go. That'll do it. You think that's all right, Jeff? Yeah, and... uh, So we're going to do that, but I want to, if you don't mind, I want to just kind of go after the power of the anointing here so that when you come up and you just take a step of faith, you say, Lord, I don't know. All I know is I'm hungry. Like I just, as much of you as I've experienced and I've gotten, I got to have more, Lord. I just want to get more. Isn't that funny about God? The more you have of them, the more you want. I don't think the anointing's talked about enough in the American church, do you? Perhaps we're too reliant upon our own gifting, organizational skills, finances, or trendy tactics. If all these were taken away, what would we be left with? There's no smoke machines. You know, there's no light systems. There's not even, like, these really nice speakers. What are you relying upon? Well, it's... The anointing, of course. Uh, I found this. Uh, Randy Clark wrote a book a couple of years ago called There Is More. I'd highly recommend it if you want to delve deeper into this subject. And here's a quote from it. He said, we may be well trained to do church work, run committees, preach or teach, administrate and counsel all through our education. 
But that is not the same as the ability to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, and preach with an anointing that breaks down hard hearts with such conviction that people are brought to Jesus. These things need the anointing, the grace and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Are you hungry for the anointing? You might say, well, what are you talking about? The anointing is simply the supernatural overshadowing by the grace of the Holy Spirit, which enables you to do the works of God. As I said, becoming the real you. In the Old Testament, when a new king, of course, was to be chosen, a bottle of oil was taken out and poured over his head as a sign that God's, this was God's anointed one for leadership that had been chosen. And like in 1 Samuel 10, Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander of his inheritance? That was King Saul, the first king of Israel. Is it not because the Lord has anointed you, River Life, as the commander of an inheritance? Do you realize the inheritance that we possess? We have something valuable. This is one of the first things we realize. Like, Lord, why did you send us to a place like Chapel Hill? Because you have an inheritance. There's great, some great churches in Chapel Hill, but not like what River Life is. There's an inheritance that we've had. We've, we've started getting, I brought Sarah in this um, summer into my campus group. We're getting our feet wet in campus ministry, really excited about it. And uh, like the Lord's just going to begin to open doors there because there's something, there's so many great campus ministries at UNC Chapel Hill. I'll say that. Parents, if you're considering sending your kids, I would highly recommend it just because of that one thing alone. There are literally thousands of Christian students on that campus. I have personally been to their worship. I can witness to their, their, their passion, okay? But there's something unique that God has from all of you, all of us, that he's depositing us an inheritance that that campus needs. In the New Testament, the anointing was made available to all believers, of course, at Pentecost. But here's what I've found. The Holy Spirit has come upon all of us, as Joel prophesied in the last days it would. But have you ever noticed that it requires activation? In other words, well, how do I get more anointing? How do I get more filling with the Holy Spirit? Well, you know, technically it's already there. But the difference is you need for it to be activated. That's what's going to happen here this morning. Now, now, how do you activate Like a what? Like a credit card. It's not any good until you activate it, right? Good analogy, Dean. Thanks for helping me. How do you, how do you activate it? You activate it simply by asking. Them believing and then receiving. Isn't that something? It's not like other things in the world where you got to jump through hoops and you got to call 10 people to get that credit card activated or whatever the case is. It's not that difficult. It's simply ask. The Bible says, He that asks receives, right? And if he's a good papa, as we know he is, then don't you think a good father, when his children ask, he will give you the best? What are you wanting this morning from God? What would you love to be able to innovate in the kingdom of heaven? Do you want to prophesy? Then ask. Do you want to heal the sick? Then ask. Do you want to administrate things really well? That's a spiritual gift too, isn't it? Then simply ask God and wait to see. Believing you've received when you ask. And then watch God activate it in your life. Are you following me? Are you guys okay? All right, because you're just looking at me. (laughs) now there is a new anointing i believe there's the you know old versus new wineskins there's a new anointing god wants to pour on us today um i think about i mentioned saul there was the anointing of saul and we know how that ended but there's the second anointing of david the man after god's own heart the holy spirit is releasing the anointing of king david the radical warrior worshiper you know, who loved well and fought well, is released on us here this morning. The question is this, how hungry are we? 
I'm so thankful and satisfied personally, yet I'm still recognize my need for more. Jesus said in his treatise on the kingdom realm, called the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs. Everybody say theirs. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're not talking about physical poverty. We're just recognizing that we're needy people, aren't we? Are you needy this morning? You know that's not a weakness. God created everybody to be needy and to be needed. Right? We need each other. You need the person sitting next to you. But there's also a need we have, obviously, for the Holy Spirit and for one another. We're needy people. That means, Jesus said, that the kingdom belongs to us. The second beatitude I'll highlight is 5-6. Um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What's going to happen to them? For they shall be filled. Do you want to be filled this morning? I know you guys do. You've been getting filled for all week long. When we see our need, so much hunger will rise in our hearts. You know, here's what Randy said. He said most often in his experience, people receive in public what they've been crying out for in private. Has that ever happened to you? People receive in public, for whatever reason, what they've been crying out for in private. And when I read that, it really caught my attention because this happened to me. Back in 2006, I'll take a few of you back. If you're new, I'll catch you up. But back in 2006, the Holy Spirit poured out in our church at a women's retreat in that October. And they came home, and the anointing transferred, much to our surprise, but our glory and our excitement. And the whole church basically was on the floor, not give or take, for a number of months. <laughs> we were not all on the floor all the time, but, you know, it's just an illustration. And uh, my wife was kind of chief among them, leading the charge, coming back from the women's retreat. And we had a little baby, I guess it would have been Benjamin, who's 12 now. And uh, I just remember, like, loving what God was doing, but I wasn't feeling anything. Has anybody ever been there? Like, oh, well, that's awesome. I don't, please, God, did, did you notice I was standing here? Like, I feel zero. I feel nothing, nada. But I got to hide in the back because we had a baby to take care of. And meetings were going well past childcare, you know, so it's like, please come get your baby, you know. And, so I'm just like, well, I'll just, I'm not feeling it. So I'll just stand back here and rock the baby while Sarah's up there rolling on the floor and laughing and hooting and hollering and carrying on. It's great. I love this. Little by little, though, at home, I was unsatisfied. I was like, Lord, this is awesome. But God, what about me? I, I, I started to feel like there was something wrong with me. Did anybody ever relate with that? Of course, that was the devil. We know that. Because none of this is received by you. It's not about you anyway. It's all received by grace. It's nothing you can deserve or earn. It's just an open heart and saying, I just need more of God. So sure enough, the Lord answered my prayer. And probably two to three months into the move of God, I'll never forget this. We were in an elders meeting back in the prayer room right through that back wall. I think it was in December of 2006, but I might be have that off slightly. And... We're not, I don't even remember what we were doing. I think we were just talking, and maybe somebody just started to pray a pretty, you know, basic prayer, and um, just taking care of business, you know, and all of a sudden, it was like, well, I've seen my wife give birth to five babies, so excuse the crude analogy, but it was like a woman's contractions in the birthing process hit me right here in my belly. I was sitting on the leather couch. I fell onto my knees on the floor, was soon, and just, oh, just, I mean, I, I couldn't even, uh, I, I wouldn't describe it as completely involuntary, but it was, uh, I was going with it, baby, because this was, this was it. This is the moment. This is, thank you, God, you know, this is what I've been praying for. And God began to just birth things in me, and just stir in me, and I, of course, I'm not the only one. Many of you are a part of that, and and, and where we are today, it was because of December of 2006. 
I would venture to say that we would never have taken the gutsy move to uproot our family from the farm in Mount Ola and move to a place like Chapel Hill if God wouldn't have sovereignly fallen on me and Sarah in the anointing and called us and began to cause our hearts to dream. Now, it was, almost, it was eight years later before we got Chapel Hill at all. So there wasn't like an immediate like direction and all this. But what I want you to get this, what I want you to see is even this morning, God is going to fall on you and begin to birth things. There's a new season and a new anointing, the Lord says, that I am birthing in your spirit, River Life, that will go beyond your generation. You, some of you need to begin dreaming a hundred year dreams. Like, Lord, I don't have a hundred years left, but my descendants surely do. My children, their children, and their children are going to begin to soar beyond where we could ever take what you're doing here. We need to continually have this in front of us. That's why God sent me here this morning, is to remind you. Remind you who you are, and who He is, and the inheritance that He's put in your lap. Thank you, I believe I will. There's two ways to receive an anointing. The first one I just mentioned, you pray and you wait. Okay, Sometimes that one's overlooked in charismatic circles, but it's valuable. The day of Pentecost is number one example. Jesus said, wait, right? Waiting's not easy, but they were just faithful. They waited in the upper room, and sure enough, at the Kairos moment, the appointed time by heaven, a mighty rushing wind came. It wasn't initiated by a laying on of hands or even a preaching. That came later. In your prayer closet, have faith. What you ask, He will give. Another way is through the laying on of hands. Let me tell you, can I tell a couple stories about that for me? This was uh, 2008. How many people know Judy Ball? Judy's not here, is she? Okay. Man, we were having those Wednesday breakthrough meetings. How many remember those? And uh, the church was turned that way, you know. We hadn't remodeled yet. The drum cage was about where Rachel's sitting. And so that would have put me about right here. Let's see if I can still feel it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's good over here. <laughs> That's why y'all sit over there, I think, you know. And um, it wasn't planned, but the Lord said, get Judy to pray for everybody. And so, well, you know, you don't have to ask Judy twice. Like, yeah, all right, let's do this. So Judy's going around slapping hands on people. And all of a sudden, she came to me. And she put her hand on my head. And bam, I hit the floor. And then it happened. It was like, the best thing I can explain is, you know how Isaiah had that encounter? I think it's Isaiah 6, where he said, oh, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And then the angel took the coal from the altar and touched his mouth. You remember that, Larry? I felt like a softball-sized fiery coal put in my right hand. I mean, I can feel it right now. And the Holy Spirit said, and you know, I'm just in this encounter. The Holy Spirit said, that's for the healing of the nations. Every time you pray for the sick, Matthew, you just put that coal. You're gonna, even when you're preaching, without saying it, you're going to feel this this fire on your hand, on your right hand. Just put that. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Let me try this sucker out, Marlon. So I got up, and Byron was sitting down, you know, and he had had this strange shoulder muscle, probably from golf. And, um, you know, and he was just really in a lot of pain. And I just, I didn't even pray. See, honestly, you guys, what you've received, you don't even have to pray with in English. You can. I mean, there's no, there's no formula. Sometimes you just, Man, his shoulder just was healed right up. Man, well, that was cool. Let me go to the next person. Every single person I prayed for, I don't remember the specifics, were healed instantly. I'm like, man, this is pretty awesome. Is this about me? Absolutely not. But it is. Because it's about each and every one of us. Because God could do it sovereignly on his own, right? We all know that. But God has chosen to do it through you and me. How? Through the anointing. How do you receive the anointing? You just ask. You believe. 
and you receive. Last one on this illustration. Fall 2014, we had just moved to Chapel Hill. It's almost three years ago. Randy Clark actually and Heidi Baker were doing conveniently a conference just down the highway in, in Durham or Raleigh. And uh, so we went to it, of course, and uh, Randy was doing this Thursday morning, you know, Thursday morning impartation meeting. And I've, I've watched and loved Randy from afar for years, so I was like, oh, man, I can't wait for this. And So you know how you kind of have that expectancy in your spirit. So I go to this meeting, and let me say that in all the years of the river here, I feel like the, what the Lord did on me was um, mostly voluntary. In other words, I was in control. I could stop it if I wanted to. Usually I chose not to because it was so good at what God was doing. But this time was a little different. This is another example of laying on of hands. So he gives a little teaching at the end. Whoever wants the impartation, come forward. So I come up there. And all of a sudden, Randy actually, now that I think about it, he never made it to me. But I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, my arms start shaking uncontrollably like this. Literally uncontrollably. Like, I could not stop my arms. And I began to feel a burning sensation that started as a little twinge, almost like the tinge unit that the chiropractor, you know, now tell me when it gets too much. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Like, it started like, you know, okay, turn it up a little bit. Okay, okay yeah, like, that's good, Lord, you know. To where the palms of my hands were just on fire. And then it happened. The dreaded moment for every man when you weep incontrollably in public. I'm telling you, I mean, if you weep, that's great. In fact, from a distance, I honor what God's doing on you, so don't feel any shame. For me, it's a thing. Like, I just, Lord, can you just move on me a different way? <laughs> ah! Literally, and no one else in the room is crying at this moment. I am over here, like, on the side, like, oh, my God! Ah! It's like, oh, wow. Somebody will cast that demon out or something. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad, but it hurts so good. And the Lord said, can you feel my nail prints? Do you see, Matthew, how powerful the anointing? When I died, I, they put nails through my hands, and I'm letting you feel just a fraction of that so that when you lay hands on people, you remember the anointing that I put on you. Whoo! <laughs> Woo! Shaba. That was my introduction. <laughs> so I knew I wasn't going to get to this whole message. It's okay. Because we're going to pray and it's going to be awesome. But the first thing I wrote down is that the anointing enables you to do things for the Lord you would not ordinarily be able to do. You remember King Saul in 1 Samuel 10, verse 5? Samuel told Saul what would happen. He said, the prophet said to him, he's like, After that you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen. The it. Because when I would say my testimonies, and then it happened, this was the it. And it will happen. When you have come there to the city, that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, a harp before them. They will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be, now check this phrase out, and be turned into another man. That's so why I said, this is the real you. My goal in life is to be as much the spirit Matthew as possible. My wife and kids can testify he ain't there yet. Lord bless him. It's from glory to glory. It's really who you are. The role of prophecy is to call out the real them into existence, even if it's not operating yet. Later in the, in the chapter, so when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them, and it happened. When all knew him formally, saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, whoa, 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 whoa. 
what is it that this guy is doing? What's come upon the son of Kish? I mean, is Saul also among the prophets? People will be shocked at who God uses in a move of the Spirit under the anointing. And I've heard Byron say this for years because you guys saw this happen at the Lamb's Chapel. I think Byron was the guy sitting on the back row, right? With his arms folded, Chuck, like this. And because it happened to him, Byron has always told us this statement. When God really moves, you're going to be surprised at who he uses to do the stuff. So if you're the least likely person in here, hey, be of good cheer. He has overcome the world. (laughs) Secondly, the anointing, and this is obvious, but it's worth repeating, will break the yoke. Will break the yoke, the Bible says, of sin, sickness, and bondage, not only off of you, but on all those around you. Bill Johnson says the Holy Spirit is in you for you, and he's on you for me. You remember, even the members of Jesus' family and his friends couldn't believe that he could possibly be the Messiah. You remember that? I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the famous mission statement in Luke 4, where um, you know he stands up in the synagogue, he opens the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, um, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You guys remember that? Why? Because he has anointed me. It's like even for the Son of God, that's the game changer. The least likely little boy in that nice little town where he grew up. What do you mean? All of a sudden, at the end of the passage, I think I'm around verse 22. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, hey, Leroy, isn't that Joe's boy? I'm embellishing a little bit. Put it in small North Carolina, small town language. Is that not the carpenter's son? Where did he get authority like that? Even for him, Jesus the man, okay? Jesus, the man, fully human, he suddenly became the spirit version, the real Yeshua at that point. Here's the thing, guys. This is big in Chapel Hill. Our intellects cannot preach, teach, heal, or liberate anyone. We need him to anoint us. We first got there, the Lord clearly said to me, he said, Matthew, one of the mistakes that the church has made in this community is to combat an intellectual demonic stronghold with Christian intellectualism. You don't reason with a demon of intellectualism. What do you do? You demonstrate the power of God. It's the trump card over intellectualism is the power of God. Well, God, I mean, how am I going to do that? Believe, receive. Step out into who you really are. Do you know the anointing is a spiritual substance? Think of like the tongues of fire at Pentecost. Think about Jesus' cloak. There's this one place in Mark 6 where not just the woman with the issue of blood, but it says that they actually brought all the sick to the marketplace. They rounded them all up and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. Isn't that fascinating? It was like grab Jesus' coat club. Like, who can grab it first? All were made well. It's the anointing. Third, the anointing responds to childlike faith. So it feels like the younger we are, the bigger advantage we have. You remember, you guys remember the first man, is an elderly man, he went to Arizona. I think he was a friend of Terry Manning's. I might be wrong about that. First guy in maybe, this was before the river poured out. I think it was about 2005. First guy healed of cancer. Stage four cancer. I know you guys remember. Who prayed for him? Little kids. I'm talking about like five-year-olds, four-year-olds. And I'm pretty sure if we had a recording, who knows what they actually said. It wasn't about that. 
There was anointing. I think if I remember correctly, Tony said, let's get all the kids in here and pray for this man. You know, we're just stepping out in faith, baby. You know, we didn't know. We're just, let's do it. There's no junior Holy Spirit, you know. Healed. He sent a report back all the way from Arizona. He'd gone to the oncologist. No trace of cancer. Childlike faith and, everybody say and. It increases how? Through mutual agreement. Todd Bentley calls it the cluster bomb effect of faith. But it's real. I mean, if you've been around a while, you know what I'm talking about. When you get a group of people in a room, it's the cluster bomb effect. And I don't have time to talk about the the agony of defeat and the what ifs and the people who don't get healed like Barry Morley, our beloved friend that we honored this morning. But that night when we prayed for Barry, I will never forget that night as long as I live. I'd never seen a church gather with as much faith in their hearts, believing that Barry would be healed because of all the healings we had already seen. And this woman comes who'd never been here, didn't know a soul, just heard about what God was doing. Her name was Tonda. She walked in the room. She got out of her car. Holy Spirit said, tonight's your night. We're all praying for Barry as hard as we can. She gets some little prayer from maybe some kids or a small group over on the side. Sends a report back. Her PET scan had shown clusters of tumors all over her abdomen. She had been given a very short time to live. Two weeks later, she went to the oncologist. Nothing. All the cancer was completely gone. Why? The cluster bomb effect. Do I know why Tonda got healed and Barry didn't? No, of course not. None of us do. But all I know is when we gather together, believing and receiving, knowing that nothing is impossible in the atmosphere of faith and the anointing, anything can happen. Finally, the anointing is transferable through impartation. How do we receive an impartation of the anointing? Number one, very important and primary, by faith through grace. You can't earn it through things you do. You can't work it up. You can't pray enough. You can't read enough. You get, it's just, that's not it. Yet, you can have a realization of your need. Secondly, as I said at the beginning, through prayer and patience in the secret place. And third, through the laying on of hands. Remember uh, the first mention in the Old Testament, the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it alone yourself. See, I think the will of God in our generation is for a Billy Graham, Benny Hinn, you know, what your greatest apostle, prophet, evangelist, healer, just whatever, whoever it is. Whoever you rank at the top, Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, you know, all these men and women, Heidi Baker. He desires to have a whole universal church of those people. Well, what has to happen? Something needs a shift here. We have to believe that when he said to the church, my greatest desire is that you would be a nation of kings and priests. We actually take that for face value. We actually believe what he says. There's no specials in the kingdom. You're, we're all God's favorite. Two more scriptures. So Moses, this is in Deuteronomy 34, the servant of the Lord died in the land of Moab. It was a devastating day, I'm sure, for the people when old Moses went on to be with the Lord. According to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Hallelujah. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. That's incredible. 
There's a whole message on that probably. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and, and did as the Lord had commanded him. So there's kind of a precedence of the laying on of hands. And then the last one in the New Testament, Acts 8. That's kind of my life chapter, Acts 8, but I'm going to read verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And how many know that's pretty good? I mean, they loved Jesus. They were even baptized in the name of Jesus. But there was something else. There was the X factor. There was the game changer. There, there was the sinner saved by grace to the saint endued with power. Come on. This is what we live for. This is X-Men. This is Marvel comic heroes. This is the impossible becomes possible. Then they laid hands on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. Who wants some of that? All right, so here's what we're going to do. Stacy, if you can come back up and play. Or, didn't Stacy do an amazing job of leading? Yeah, gosh, I mean, talk about anointing. That was really awesome. Good job. And everybody, all the musicians, incredible like, I, I was feeling during worship, I was like, this isn't like a second best worship team. You know what I mean? Didn't you feel that way? Like, it's not like we're sacrificing so the kids can have their time. No, man, it was, it was incredible. Um, I want the ministry team to come up. And the role you guys are going to play this morning is a role of, of, of fathering and mothering. I just want you to be prayer support, okay? Now, um, campers... And, and Ken, Papa Ken um, helped me out on this, putting people on the spot. Because did you notice how much he likes to put people on the spot? Like, Judah, come on up here. I know you have a testimony, Judah. This is Papa Ken speaking. What's your testimony? You know, he's like, okay, what's my testimony? And then he's like, and Judah, you're now going to sing with me. And he's like, what? You know, it was amazing. But I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Get a partner. Okay, I want you to have a prayer partner. Praise and twos. And I want you guys to just come up here with your partner and stand across the front in front of these folks. Yeah, don't be shy. You know, come on up. Doesn't have to be a special partner. Just. And what we're going to do is we're going to expect, everybody say expect. We're going to expect by faith that as we believe we will receive. Y'all move on down this way. We got to spread out a little bit. We got to have a traffic flow, you know. In fact, what I'm seeing right now in the spirit, I'm going to shift gears so y'all pay attention. We're actually going to do a prayer tunnel. Okay, so campers, I want you to take two steps forward and turn around and face me. All right. Now, adults, as you can see, we're kind of shorthanded on this side. So Larry and Cheryl, you know, some other people. I need you guys to come up here and complete the tunnel. All right. Now, let's see here. Starting from my right, from my right, because we've got to direct traffic. If you want an impartation of the Holy Spirit on all that these have received and more, and why would you not? I want you to just get up and slowly walk through the prayer tunnel and down the other side. People in the tunnel, I want you to just pray on them as they go, okay? Get them, Lord. More Holy Spirit. Firefall. More anointing. Shaka baba rabasa. You know, just whatever. Just begin to put your hand on their shoulder. Just begin to, Lord, Holy Spirit, come. We thank you for the anointing, God. We thank you for the power of heaven. We thank you that the cross has made a way that we can enter in. Let your anointing just flow. Just keep moving, guys. Keep moving. I know that you're going to want to stop when it gets oily, but you got to keep moving. Keep moving, Marlon. Come on. Come on down. Yeah, yeah. 
Thank you, Lord. We just worship you, Jesus. We exalt you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for the fire of heaven, for the anointing of God, for the holy, righteous anointing. Just come upon each of these this morning, God. Do unusual things, God. Unusual miracles. Do the impossible, God, through each of these, God. Keep on moving, Marlon. Keep on moving. Keep on stepping. Yeah, I know, I know. We, got, we can get greedy in the Holy Ghost, but we'll do that later. We got about 180 people to get through this line. Come on, Lord. More. 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 Somebody with really bad back pain on your left side, just raise your hand up. You're being healed. Oh, it's Corey right now. Release right now in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Just declare breakthrough. Let the healing flow, God. Let the healing flow, God. Jesus, we love you. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. Yes, we love you. Get Rhonda, Lord. Lord God. Bless her. Get her, get her, Lord. Get her. Yeah. Keep on moving, guys. Keep on moving. I know it's hard. If you go down, guys, pull them out. Pull them outside the line there. We'll keep it rolling. Yeah, we're propping them up, Lord. Come on, more, God. More Holy Spirit.